0: Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'd like to feature a conversation I recently recorded with Zach Golden. Zach is an Executive MBA Format student in our class of 2020, and he and I recently sat down to talk a little bit more about his MBA journey, what led him to Darden, what he's enjoyed about the program so far, his upcoming global residency to India, as well as his advice for prospective students. So without further ado... Here's my conversation with Zach Golden. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I've been looking forward to doing it for a while. All right. So for our listeners at home, tell us a little bit more about you. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, My name is uh, Zach Golden. I work at a, a firm
1: called Dyson Capital Advisors in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. Um, we're based out in Old Town, but we, we serve clients all over the country. Uh, we're a wealth management firm, so we do your traditional investment advisory work, uh, you know, what we call financial administration, so, uh, you know, balance sheet, income statement uh, for families, uh, and, and just a variety of special projects to um, operate more in the sort of multifamily office space of the wealth management industry.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about your background. Um, what did you do before your current role?
1: <laughs> so I've, I've had a, actually a few different roles. Uh I actually started out working on Capitol Hill, um, when I graduated from college. Um, so I worked in, uh, you know, kind of the, the budget tax policy arena a little bit, uh, immediately after college, um, for a Senator from Virginia. Uh, and then, uh, I worked on a few statewide political campaigns, um, and, and I, I sort of landed, you know, through a a few, um, you know, kind of mutual connections and, and, uh, folks that I sort of networked with over the years uh, and uh, kind of a wealth management um, position. So it's been a, at the end of the day, it's all kind of about relationships. So, you know, they seem like completely different industries at first glance and professions at first glance. Um, But, but, you know, it it very much is about building relationships and building trust, um, you know, with folks you're working with.
0: So, uh, given your background, having worked in politics and obviously the work that you're currently doing, had you thought about an MBA for a while as it was it a relatively recent idea curious about the sort of arc of that story? Yeah. You know, I, I did think
1: about it, um, pretty much from the time that I graduated from, um, uh, I graduated from George Mason. That was my undergraduate uh, institution. Uh, and I, I did think about it, um, on and off for, you know, Basically from 22, my age 22, until I I ended up coming to Darden. Um, You know, I I graduated from college in 2009, sort of in the depths of uh, the Great Recession. And, you know, the the debt aspect of it scared me. Um, And and really, as I got into my late 20s, um, you know, I I didn't want to look back at my career and regret not doing it because it was something that I had uh, always aspired to do. Uh, and, you know, as I, I looked out over the next five years, um, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, as I have kids and as I, you know, kind of build a family and, and put down roots in Northern Virginia, uh, you know, it, it'll only get harder to, to do something like this. Having said that, a number of my colleagues in, uh, you know, my class, had, you know, are, are perfectly capable of getting through the, uh, the program just fine with, with kids and families. Um, but I was just worried that that would be another barrier. So that's why I ultimately took the plunge.
0: So um, one of my favorite admissions events that we did last year, uh, one that you were instrumental in helping us coordinate, was on Capitol Hill. And uh, we went there uh, with some uh, current students, uh, an alum of the program as well, to talk a little bit more about the value an MBA can have for someone with a political background. And obviously you have a political background. And I'm curious you if for those listeners who may share a similar background, uh, maybe thinking about an MBA, maybe they want to stay in politics, maybe they want to move out of politics. What would you advise them to think about? You know, what's the value for someone who comes from the political world of this particular educational experience? Yeah, I think there's a, a ton of value. You know, when when
1: you come up in, in politics and, and you know a lot of roles in the policy world, you're you're very much you don't get formal management training on, on how to lead an organization, how to lead people. Um, you know, you can read books and, and read, uh, you know, blogs or whatever. Um, but until you're, you know, in a classroom and taking a class like leading organizations, uh, and, and get and reading, you know, kind of that academic research around, uh, you know, the best thinking on, on those topics, uh, it, you really don't know how to, how to kind of optimize both from, Uh, a structural standpoint and just, you know, an interpersonal standpoint with, with uh, folks you're working with. Um, And, you know, an MBA really gives you those tools. Um, And and so I actually think uh, a a lot of folks, uh, you know, specifically, um, you know, and and Capitol Hill and and certainly on campaigns too, would, would, would really benefit from, you know, the sort of formal management training that you see a lot more in the, in the corporate sector than you do uh, in, in the public and political sectors.
0: So, as you did your research, um, what about Darden's program in particular resonated with you? What, what what stood out? You talked about some of the some of the timing, some of the factors that you were you were thinking about. That said, okay, now is the time for me to do this. Um, but what about Darden stood out?
1: Yeah, uh, I think the first thing was I, I knew that I wanted to continue living in Northern Virginia. Um, I, I really enjoy it here. I really enjoyed the DC area, um, and I wanted to. You kind of find the best program that, that maximized, uh, you know, the, the Virginia network. Um, and, and Darden certainly met that, uh, met that standard. Uh, the second thing was, you know, going back to school, I didn't want to, you know, just go to a classroom and, and be lectured to because I, I know myself and, you know, I remember my undergraduate years and those were always the classes that I, uh, you know, liked the least uh, and was probably least engaged in. And the case method really uh, stood out to me as, as, as something that would, would help my learning. Uh, and, and it certainly hasn't disappointed. Uh, you know, the, the level of expectation and, and being prepared for class and, you know, kind of knowing that you can be called on at, at any time and uh, knowing that, uh, you know, your opinions or, or your perspective on the case and the work that you did on the case is gonna help guide the discussion and, and move the class forward. Um, you know, I think really kind of brings out the best in me as a student. Uh, and you know, the other, the other part of it is you really, you know, at first I was a little skeptical of this, but uh, you really do learn from your colleagues in the program. Um, you know, folks come from a variety of different backgrounds and some are more quantitative, some are more, uh, you know, have, have different skills, different backgrounds, and, and you do learn from everyone. Courses touch every topic, uh, and, uh, it's, it's really valuable.
0: So, um. The case method is one of those things that can be a little mysterious to prospective students. It doesn't immediately give away what it what it is. It's not not one of these uh, not one of these words or uh, concepts you would immediately know if you're just walking around on the street. How would how would you describe it to a prospective student? You know, demystify it a little bit for us here.
1: Yeah, I think it's learning through. Uh, You know, kind of learning through real life scenarios and real life situations. Um, You know, sometimes you're given a a technical note that lays out, you know, here's what a balance sheet is, here's what an income statement is, here's what a statement of cash flows is, here's how they work together. But most of the time, you're given, you know, a a case that's about a real company, and most of the time, it's, um, you know, it's a true story. Uh, And, you know, you're asked to analyze the case and, uh, answer questions on what would you do and, and why would you do it uh, and, and answering those two questions really uh, you know drive a lot of the classroom discussion that, that's what the case method kind of is in my experience
0: yeah and to your earlier point about learning from your classmates it does create a platform for that it's not something you have to, you don't have to go ask your classmate well how do you think about this problem because you get to hear about it in class exactly and you know what Darden does a really uh, great job of
1: is in that, in that first week uh, we call it you know LR one, Learning Residency one, uh, you know, we get in there and you're, you're confronted on your first week with some very challenging cases and nobody knows the answers and nobody's been, you know, nobody's received the formal instruction, you know, sort of required to, um, you know, perfectly analyze the case. And everyone is on a level playing field and, uh, you know, able to you know, not have all the answers and in a way kind of be vulnerable and, and, you know, speak in front of the class and with, with some level of uncertainty. And what that does is it very quickly builds a a comfort level throughout the class, uh, to, to be able to volunteer and kind of put your thoughts forward without fear of, of being wrong or, or having anyone sort of judge, you know, your, your intellect, your ability to pick up the information based on,
0: on what you're saying. So, um, talked a little bit about the case method i'm, I'm curious as you adjusted to being in, in back in school um which we do talk with prospective students about this being one of the bigger learning curves right because you're gonna have homework again you're gonna have exams again um what were some things you learned along the way what are anything that you wish you would have known or or tips that you might have for people who are thinking about negotiating you know fitting school and into your life
1: it definitely is a commitment and it is a sacrifice, but I think that's certainly what makes it rewarding and something to kind of be proud of as you as you complete the, the program. Um, I, I would say getting used to the idea of always having something to do outside of work. You know, when you're you know watching a football game on Sunday afternoon or something like that, it's always in the back of your head that, you know, on Tuesday night you do have a, a synchronous class and there is a case for that and, uh, you know, you might have to Prepare something for it, um, and, and so it really does, uh, you know, focus you. Uh, that idea of always having something to do it, it focuses you. And I think, frankly, over the over the two years that you're here, it makes you better at managing your time, both at work and outside of work, because you have so much less of it. Um, over time, you, you you do adapt and you get used to it, and um, you know, it's it's not anything that you can that you know is too difficult to handle, but it's it certainly does require an adjustment period for me i think that adjustment came uh, probably after the third quarter where i really felt like i was you know comfortable with kind of the operating rhythm of uh, both working and going through the program
0: yeah that's so interesting cuz we generally do say it takes about 5 or 6 months which would be you know right after quarter 3 um, for those of you listening who may be less familiar with what a quarter means here at darn uh, yes there are years that have Six quarters in them, five quarters in them. Uh, so, uh, yes, yeah, so a quarter is a two month period, and it's how we sort of parcel up the years, uh, or the time that you're here to sort of move you through the program. So, quarter three. As uh, Zach notes, is actually the second domestic quarter.
1: You do find yourself sort of living your life in these, you know, eight-week increments, <laughs> and it's amazing how fast it goes by when uh, you know you have the beginning of a course and a, an exam all in this eight-week period that goes by very quickly.
0: Yeah, every every couple months you get new classes, and that's also one of the things that. Uh, why the program probably feels like it has this momentum to it is to Zach's point. There's not really a lot of downtime. There's not any, any time that you're sitting around wondering what's the next thing that I'll have to do. So um, what have been some of the highlights of the program so far? Uh, Things that you've really enjoyed or the impact that you feel like the programs had for you?
1: Well, I haven't done my, my international trip yet. I'm going to India uh, next quarter, actually uh, in, in quarter nine. So or quarter eight rather, um, so I, I'm sure that that will be a highlight from what I've heard from my colleagues. Those trips are, are a highlight for everyone. Um, I, I would say, you know, LR1 was, was just the initial kind of kickoff of, uh, you know, being in Charlottesville, being uh, on grounds at the University of Virginia. It's a, you know, it's a certainly a place that uh, gets you excited about learning. Um, you know, that was a highlight, um, you know, getting to know everyone, uh, you know, in, in, in very short order, you know, you're thrown in there with um, both cohorts, um, and, and you know, you have to meet a lot of people quickly, and, and uh, it, it's both fun uh, and challenging, but I, I would certainly say that was a highlight.
0: Yeah, that is always, for us as an admissions team, uh, one of the highlights of the year, because you know, we work to build the class over these rounds, right? So we start in September, go all the way to June, but we kind of know the class is like September round, October round, November round. And so the first time we actually get to see the classes, a full class is there on the first day of LR1 in the Abbott Auditorium in, in, on grounds in Charlottesville. And that's always a really exciting time. And, you know, the other thing is the first day of school always feels like the first first day of school. Doesn't matter, you know, your college you know, uh, high school, graduate school, everybody's new and really is excited to get to know each other. And, um, that feeling never, never gets old, old to me. I always enjoy that sort of excitement.
1: Yeah, I, I, I did too. It was, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, looking back on it, I, I did meet, uh, you know, a number of folks that I will probably consider lifelong friends, uh, in, in that very first week. And, you know, being a little more than halfway through the program now, it's funny we, we kind of you know look back on it and still have uh, you know shared jokes and shared experiences from that that first week. It's a it's a uh, you know difficult to, not difficult to get through. It's it's a challenge, but it's it's also a, a lot of fun and having those shared experiences in that first week, um, I think really um, you know allows you to you know kind of have a foundation to build lasting lasting friendships throughout the program.
0: We we say all the time that each executive MBA program has its own culture and talk about Darden is a place where relationships matter, that you can form these kind of relationships. If you were to describe the Darden culture to a a prospective student or, you know, what you think of when you think about your experience here at Darden, what, what comes to mind or do you have a, have a story that you think is emblematic of it? I'm I'm, I'm curious about, about what your take would be. This is a question we get on the, on the phone quite a bit.
1: (laughs) That's a, that's that's an interesting question. I I think, um, in terms of culture, uh, you know, I think a lot of my colleagues, and, and I, maybe this is my view and I'm kind of projecting it on everyone else, but, um, you know, making the most of uh, each phase of their life and the experiences that they're having, um, you know, kind of being present in that experience and, um, you know, making sure that you're you're optimizing it. Uh, you know, I, I guess the this probably isn't a, a story, but um, you know, sort of a recurring, um, you know, we have a social atoms every, you know, every on grounds. Uh, and you know, the, the turnout is, is exceptionally high, even at this point, you know, in the, in the program for us, when you would think we would, you know, all potentially be tired of each other at this point or, or, you know, so used to the rhythm of the program, we wouldn't keep coming out. Um, but I I think people are very dedicated. Folks are really dedicated to to building those relationships and making the most of their experience. Um, you know, probably, you know, going back to the, the highlights of the, uh, time at Darden so far, um, you know, one of our, I think, uh, particularly fun social outings was, uh, when, when the university of Virginia was in the, uh, uh, final four and, you know, ultimately went on to, uh, win the national championship. That was, uh, a lot of fun. We all kind of felt like, you know, UVA undergrads in, in Arlington, you know, rooting for, uh, rooting for the team. So
0: yeah, it it's a good, t- it's a good time to be at the, at the university of Virginia in any, in any way. Uh, I think this represents a certain peak. Uh, for athletics, uh, we're sitting here uh, recording this on a on Monday night. Zach is kind enough to come in on a, on a Monday night to record the podcast. Uh, UBA football is now three and uh fresh off a victory over Florida State. Uh, obviously, basketball. Well, we all know how that story ended. Um, so, national champions at least for the next next few months. Um, so uh, it's a good time yeah. to be a Cavalier, and it
1: was—it was actually great. I think it really, you know, speaks to the reputation of the university. I, I saw something that the uh, basketball coach uh, Tony Bennett, uh, you know, rejected a raise to give, uh, you know, other athletic programs at UVA uh, um, more money. So that was—I thought that was a bit pretty selfless and, um, you know, r- really spoke to, you know, kind of the culture at, you know, at the university.
0: Tony Bennett. Just you know, there's no shortage of Tony Bennett admirers in this world. I think he probably gained a, gained a few more fans. Um, so, how did you pick India as your global residency? You know, what what attracted you to that location?
1: You know, I I thought that I, I wanted to go to an emerging market um, because I didn't think that that was I would necessarily go there on my own uh, at, at some point in my life. I've I've always been uh, you know interested in India, but Um, I I did want to do, you know, either China or India and not uh, Europe just because, you know, I I anticipate that I'll probably go to most places in Europe. And I kind of wanted to really challenge myself uh, to go somewhere new, unlike anywhere that I've ever been um, and and somewhere that I, you know, wasn't sure I'd ever get to.
0: Yeah, Lottie Carr, friend of the podcast, she's been on here before, Uh, talk a little bit about the global residencies. That's her favorite global residency. And it's because it is so unlike what everyone knows in their sort of day-to-day life, right? It gets you outside of your comfort zone almost immediately. And so you're all there having, you know, what's a transformational, fairly intense experience. Um, and there's just. There's just so much to see and do. Obviously, you could spend much, much longer than a week in, in India. Many folks uh, do uh, go over early, stay late. Are you planning a side trip, or is it all business? You know, I'm. Um, well, this is
1: wonderful news, but I'm, I'm actually having a – my wife is having a baby at some point in the next uh, week or two here, and so I'll be – about a, you know, I'll have about a one month old when I go to India. So, uh, I won't be taking any extra time. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I, probably would
0: otherwise. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast, wondering if life continues apace while people are in, the, are in the program, the answer is, is yes. Uh, we've already had, uh, I think a baby or two born to our class of 2021. We
1: have uh, There's a baby or two. I think it's actually been like five or six. It's oh been, yeah. Uh, quite a few.
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, it's part of, the circle of uh, the, just the way, the way the whole thing operates. It's, uh, it's amazing. You know, just when you think like, you know, people have a lot on their plate, they're like, eh, you know what, what's, what's one more thing. Just add something else. <laughs> so, um, so what are you looking forward to? You know, you got a few more quarters here. Um, what's on, what's on your mind? You know, what are you planning to do during the elective period? Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to,
1: so the electives that I focused on, um, you know, sort of given my, my day job are, um, around, uh, you know, investing in, uh, you know, sort of Darden's, uh, offerings around, uh, investment management, securities valuation. Um, and then I also took, you know, I don't know that this is a path that I will take in my career, but, um, the course offerings around entrepreneurship seemed, uh, very, very fascinating to me. And so, uh, I did sign up for, uh, entrepreneurial thinking, uh, with, with Greg Fairchild, which I'm in right now and is, is proven to be, a, a probably one of my favorite classes so far. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a number of other entrepreneurial ships down the, uh, entrepreneurial courses down the line. Um, and so, you know, I, I like I said, I, I'm not sure that that's the path for me. Um, maybe a little too risk averse for, for something like that, but you know, what Darden does an exceptional job of is giving you, uh, you know, sort of the tools, uh, and environment to figure out if, if this, you know, if this is right for you. And so I kind of look forward to taking that, going through that journey.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's been one of the perks of hosting the podcast is I've gotten to talk to a lot of people about entrepreneurship at Darden, entrepreneurial resources at Darden. I've learned a few things along the way. One thing that I've learned um, is that my impressions of entrepreneurship, it being risky or this kind of, actually, you know, when you approach it with an effectuation mindset, you know, you know a, lot of, a lot of either small bets or essentially trying to go to market as quickly as can to figure out, is there a market for this at all? It de-risked the whole enterprise. And uh, entrepreneurship is is both a thing and also a, a mindset, right? Sort of that ownership mindset, how you think about approaching approaching your work and solving problems, that it's an orientation as much as anything.
1: It is, it is. And, you know, that's been the, uh, I think probably in, in uh, you know, Greg's class, it's been one of the real takeaways is uh, entrepreneurship isn't just starting the next Facebook. Entrepreneurship is, uh, you know, doing a a side job and and seeing if you can make it work. And if you can, uh, you know, thinking about making it a full-time job. Uh, It's a, it's a process and, you know, you don't have to try to build a billion dollar company overnight. Um, You might just be doing something you enjoy doing and making a little money at it on the side and kind of having a a broader definition of entrepreneurship, I think is, uh, you know, valuable for, you know, for all of us in the, you know, in the, in the class
0: you're right that I think when most people think of entrepreneurship, people's minds tend to go to this sort of unicorn Silicon Valley, Airbnb, Facebook, exactly. Twitter, et cetera. Um, which they all started somewhere. Yeah. Right. Um, so this is typically the part of the podcast where we, where we ask people for advice for prospective students. Obviously you've shared uh, a lot already about your experience and sort of things you've learned along the way. Um, for people who are just starting now, thinking about an MBA, looking at Darden, what would you encourage uh, those folks to think about?
1: Uh, well, first I would, I would encourage folks, just if you're thinking you might be interested in it and it's something that at some point you might regret not doing, just go ahead and apply. You know, the application, you know, it, it, it is a real application. It takes some time and some effort to get through it. But uh, it's not such a time investment that if, if things don't work out, if you change your mind. Uh, you know, that you've, you know, wasted, you know, months of your life. It, it, it is manageable. Um, and, you know, I, the other thing is, um, you know, I, I personally had personally maybe had a little bit of a fear of rejection in the back of my mind that was uh, holding me back from applying um, and, you know, going through the process and, and understanding it uh, and just getting started on it. Um, I think mostly if you're thinking about if you're the kind of person who's thinking about an executive MBA or an MBA in general, um, you're probably the kind of person who is uh, you know, pretty competitive, not with others, but even with yourself. And once you start going down the process of taking the standardized tests and writing the essays and um, you know, going through the application, uh, you'll find yourself really pushing yourself to put uh, you know, your, your, best, your best forward. Um, and so just getting started and, and taking the plunge and making the decision to uh, you know, affirmatively get through this and do it. Um, that, that would be my advice is taking the first step and just getting started.
0: Yeah, it is something that you can spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, and we certainly talk to prospective students and this is not a criticism in any way, but this may resonate with some of you listening there, uh, who think about this for several years, um, you know, or, or longer than that. And there does typically come a time, um, there is not just There's not one great time. For most people, it's windows of opportunity where they think it might make sense in their life and all that they have going on. Um, You're always going to be busy. Uh, I think the truth is that most people's lives don't get any less busy with each passing year. Um, And there is some value in just getting into the application process because it forces you to reflect a lot. There's a fair amount of introspection that comes with the essay questions that we ask, just the process of having to tell your story to talk with an admissions committee member about why you want to do this, why you want to come to Darden. And there's there's a lot of value gained from that, as, as Zach notes. Even if you choose not to pursue an MBA, uh, you, have, you spend a lot more time sitting with that um, and, and forced to sort of confront it in a way that probably feels a little bit more real um, than... Than if you were just sitting at home, sort of mulling it over in- endlessly.
1: Yeah, and I, I think actually I had arrived at, at both conclusions at one point in uh, in my life. I, I don't I don't know if you remember this, Brad. I, we initially met, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe in 2016, I think it was, uh, you know, about potentially applying, and I, I was very interested and intended to apply, and uh, you know, kind of talked myself out of it and, and thought maybe it was a little, you know, too much at, at that point in my late 20s. Uh, and then in 2017, I'll never forget it. It was, um, I went to Costa Rica um, that that Christmas and I was sitting on the beach in Costa Rica and, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I, I just, I don't want to have any regrets on this. I'm just, I'm going to do it. And I actually emailed Brett from Costa Rica and was like, Hey, you know, can we get together? And I, I just want to make sure, you know, talk about restarting the admissions process. And he got right back to me and uh, you know, by the end of uh, January, I got most of my application material in. I think I, uh, you know, took the standardized test in, in uh, February, and I was in for the um, March 31st deadline. So, um, you know, it was, it, it, you can you can go back and forth for a long time, and just because you don't think it's the right time for you at that moment uh, doesn't mean that the door is, is shut forever.
0: Oh, for sure. And, and we know it's it's a process for everybody, and I think that's one of the reasons why we, make so many opportunities for conversation along the way, whether it's a one-on-one in person, a phone conversation, um, whether, a small group chat, uh, networking dinner. We do networking receptions where you have a chance to meet a lot of different people, prospective students, alumni, maybe a current student or two, admissions folks can come for a class visit, which I think is as helpful as anything.
1: The class visit was really helpful for me. I mean, just talking to current students and realizing that folks have the same insecurities and the same fears and worries that you do. And, uh, you know, they, they overcame them. And, and everyone is, is you know, certainly in the Darden community, is uh, very encouraging and, and uh, you know, supportive as you try and figure out if it's the right decision for you.
0: And, you, and you're right to bring up the point about sort of feeling insecure. I, I, I do think for almost anyone that I've encountered over the four and a half or so years I've been at Darden, the application process makes people feel insecure. The process of thinking about going back through an application process makes people feel insecure for a variety of reasons. You know, I think, you know, we've all applied for college. We applied, some of us have applied for grad school. We know that experience is a stressful experience. It's a little bit of a triggering thing that happens. Um, You sort of talk about that. And, you know, I I also think there's a tendency for exec candidates to assume that everyone else is more qualified than they are. um, Just sort of, full stop, everyone else is more qualified, everyone else has more of an quote-unquote appropriate background for this than I do. I'm not the right kind of person. I'm not X, Y, or Z. And the thing I always come back to uh, with prospective students is, like, we want a lot of different kinds of people in the room. So needless to say, if you're feeling a little vulnerable, a little uncertain about this, uh, that is a common feeling, and, and we understand that. And I think the best way to sort of work through that is to focus on you learning as much as you can engaging as much as you can with these big questions and and really the big questions for the admissions process you know why do you want to get an MBA why do you want to come to darton and what do you want to do post MBA
1: and and having the confidence of and knowing that you know the experience that you bring in your background is is valuable and that other people will will learn from it you know even if you're not uh, you know the private equity guru who you know knows how to you know do a perfect valuation of a company on day 1 uh, you know you still have a, a perspective and and uh, you know, life experiences that are useful. And, you know, one thing that I actually didn't realize until I I came to Darden is some of the best, I think, learning moments for all of us in the classroom come from when you're working through, uh, you know, a quantitative problem, whether it's in, you know, decision analysis or, you know, accounting or finance or whatever. And you don't, you're not confident that you know the answer, but you're, you know, the person who's presenting it and you're working through it and you make a mistake in, in front of everyone. And that is the same mistake that a lot of folks in the class made as well. Uh, and it gives the, the professor a, a, an opportunity to kind of point it out and um, you know, ex- re-explain that particular concept that clearly a number of people were, were struggling with. Um, and so a, a, lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of value comes from uh, those, those kinds of interactions
0: yeah you're right it it comes back to culture and norms you know what the expectation is for people in class and how you're expected to engage with each other relate to each other um I like to believe that class is that kind of environment where it's you can be wrong being you know there, you know if you make a mistake as you as you note, it's a it's a teachable moment right you're not the only other person in class who who had that thought
1: exactly having said that if i'm you know being completely open and uh, you know full disclosure, I, I probably do have some you know room for improvement on volunteering of you know my sort of quantitative models when uh, when I'm not a hundred percent certain that I have the right answer.
0: That's all right. It's all it's all part of the process, <laughs> right? So
1: um, still three quarters left to get it right.
0: <laughs> well, well, Zach, thank you so much for your time this evening. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate your candor and, and being so open about your experience and, and sharing it with our students.
1: Absolutely, it was a lot of fun.
0: And that was my conversation with Zach Golden, an executive MBA format student in our class of 2020. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Until next time, thanks for listening.